Chapter Ten of Interventions. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Interventions by Georgia Wood Pangborn. Chapter Ten. The Convalescence of Gerald. The doctor began in a tone suavely cynical. Of course, if you will keep him done up in cotton wool. Then he met Gerald's sad eyes, looked again at his patiently folded hands, and burst forth hotly. Madam, take those collars off that boy and cut his hair, and take off his shoes. Yes, sir, let him go barefoot, I tell you. It was understood in the village that when the doctor said sir to a woman, the case was a serious one. Let him play with French children if he wants to. Never mind their morals. Let him teach him how to steal apples and grow fat. The pale face in the centre of the broad collar quivered with a smile, which was repressed with swift politeness behind his thin hand. Mrs. Bailey quailed. Steal apples? Give him a horse and a big dog, a puppy, with some ginger in him that will walk on him and wash his face. Walk on him? When you've done these things, you can call me in again. I shan't come before. The first arrival at the Bailey stables was a nebulous young mass, with appendages of head and feet. The ears were still raw along the outer edges, where they had been clipped to points, and this was rather premature, for one could not yet tell whether he would be a mastiff or Great Dane when he grew up. The ears were clipped on the Great Dane hypothesis. Johnny Primo, the coachman, said, Yas, he one big dog, gone be bigger. Doctor, he come up to see if he's big enough. Miss Bailey say he couldn't get no bigger. Doctor say, has he tried knocking down Gerald? Miss Bailey say she's so fraid and cry. Gerald, he put his arms round puppy's neck and say his name gonna be Joriander out of some book he been reading. Puppy put his arms round Gerald's neck and wash his face and roll him all round. And then Miss Bailey cry some more. Gerald laughed. Doctor say, all right, Gerald did sleep with him that night. Me, I got to wash him, all tam, all tam. After Joriander was established came one day a slim, graceful thing with sweeping tail, the arch of whose pretty neck did not reach the shoulders of the black carriage horses. Her eyes were of maternal softness. She trod with an airy swing, but chose her steps fastidiously, seeming to make certain that no smaller thing than herself was underfoot johnny primo said she won our pony mr bailey he say she cost something doctor come up to see how she do we put the new saddle on him all silver and yellow leather and he stop gerald and haul him on and he tumbled off soon's we let go and she stop and turn round and look sorry and we put him up again and he fall off again but he laugh all time and don't get scared and by and be they go round the stable yard without gerald falling off and miss bailey cry and mr bailey say she worth every penny and the doctor say hurrah we're coming on i find gerald out here next morning six o'clock carrying her with his own little brush and comb says her name's dolly the town's two important streets cross at its centre and of these the greatest is elm which extends from the post office and railroad station in the west to some indefinite eastern point among farms calm and smooth calm and smooth under its old trees and between its substantial houses 
the people sit about on verandas and lawns and embroider or play croquet and particularly they watch all that passes in elm street what on earth said mrs simpson she was in a red rocking chair under an arbor vitae scalloping a bib for her first grandchild her daughter mrs ferry who was swinging in a hammock and reading a magazine looked up and said that oh jerry bailey don't you know the doctor said they'd lose him if they didn't let him go barefoot and do all sorts of things still i don't see why she need make a circus of him jerry bailey riding i thought it was as much as ever he could be taken around in a baby wagon he wore blue denim overalls and a straw hat like a toadstool his delicate bare toes squirmed nervously against dolly's warm ribs letting the stirrup swing empty joriander shambled at one side with a countenance fierce and sullen unless you were brave enough to draw near and read the baby innocence of his eyes then you understood how his great jaws merely grew that way and had nothing to do with his soul yet he could be stern on occasion for when gerald's hat blew off he flung upon it with such violent punishment that he brought back only a small piece of the brim as proof of justice done the way executioners used to deposit the heads of a king's enemies at his feet then gerald laughed until he fell into the soft wayside grass and there joriander danced upon him with rabid affection until mrs simpson came saying get down you nasty dog and lifted gerald to the saddle again it is said that on that first journey he was put back thus six times by troubled neighbors and his riding has been compared to that of the white knight in alice but it was no great distance from dolly's back to the ground and they always managed to reach grass before the tumble came so when gerald returned to his own gate where his trembling mother waited his cheeks were like wild rose petals his eyes gleamed and his closely cropped hair the hat being gone was like red gold in the sun each day there were fewer tumbles and dolly's walk was more rapid until about the first of july she broke into a careful gallop the people left their embroidery and croquet and stood along the sidewalk ready to pick up the white knight but it was not necessary jerry smiled as he passed them the smile was not so gentle as it had been someone called it a grin after that it was observed that the pink stayed in his cheeks then the neighbors stopped being sympathetic they even spoke of joriander resentfully as that great dog talked of muzzles and called their own dogs into the house when he appeared he was growing but that was nothing he could help will you tell me what that is gasped mrs simpson she was putting scallops around the edge of her first grandchild's dress well she has made a circus of him said mrs ferry the saddle was gone from dolly's back instead there was a blanket with a wide strap dolly was treading as if she said now hold your breath jerry was standing up on her back this was near the end of july the rose color of his cheeks had vanished under tan and the tan was usually obscured by dirt his feet were more like bronze than wax his red gold hair was bleached to silver and so were his eyebrows and eyelashes as he passed the people of elm street he yelled hi and did not tumble off mrs ferry said she had heard he was playing with french children had been observed with dolly and joriander up at the sand pit with a large and ragged following making some kind of fort which the wind of the night always destroyed 
so that it was like penelope's web and had to be built anew each morning for there is not enough clay in that region to make such edifices hold together properly you never see them with him explained mrs ferry you know how those young ones are they vanish if you come too near but i've made them out with my opera glasses he's a regular little king of beggars when i was there to tea he said to his mother me i don't like health food no more and she said jerry with whom have you been playing and he said the doctor said i might and she didn't dare answer a word i have my opinion of the doctor what in the world ails that horse said mrs Hinson. dolly had grown old and dreary overnight her head drooped almost to her fetlocks she stumbled with bent knees awkwardly gerald if anything was gayer than ever but that is a man's way how could he know that she was proud after the manner of women loved pretty things and had great notions about being fashionable and that he had that morning broken her heart by an intricate arrangement of ropes a toy express cart such as small boys drag about by the handle was hitched behind dolly it contained a half bushel of stones whereon sat the boldest of gerald's ragged followers switching her heels and shouting clang it was all dolly could do not to hit the contrivance as she walked a kick would have been the easiest thing in the world what a shame said mrs simpson yet perhaps this discipline was good for dolly she may have been too proud and gay have looked scornfully for instance upon the poor old plugs in grandpa sandwire's sandcart for these indeed were the strangest pair in the country both being broken backed but in different ways for one sagged until his back was like the letter u but the other was telescoped so that his legs were too near together and his spine was humped poor soul till he looked very like a camel even these two now turned to stare at dolly while aristocratic beasts drawing correct carriages pretended to shy and the people all laughed but sad dolly kept on jerry riding like a little cavalryman tremendously pleased with himself the ragged imp behind switching dolly's heels that could have kicked so easily and shouting glang thus the doctor met them and as usual stopped to take a reassuring pinch of gerald's biceps which now had grown from nothing to the size of a cherry to look at his clean pink tongue and tickle him in the ribs to bring out the dimples the ragged imp slid promptly from the pile of stones and faded into the color of the road which was the same as his rags in swift retreat are you sure dolly likes that then asked the doctor who kept a professional eye on that little person also having perceived at the first glance that she was a gentlewoman in thin disguise and as human as anybody why she understands we're just playing but jerry's tone was troubled i thought she was just sleepy he clambered down lifted the mare's head and looked searchingly into her clouded eyes then with trembling mouth corners he untied the ropes and left the load standing as it was it was for the fort but maybe we can manage some other way he sighed dolly's head came up she tossed her forelock out of her eyes and said <coughs> softly through her silken nose joriander thrust a warm congratulatory kiss in her face and described rapid circles of joy about the group very far down the yellow road something that might have been a hummock of sand with a straw hat on it waited watchfully 
Who is that little boy you play with so much, Jerry? Why, that's Napoleon Champagne. He knows everything. I was surprised when you told me I was to play with the French children, but I'm glad because they're ever so much nicer than us children. Why, you wouldn't believe the things I've learned from Napoleon. Such as what, Jerry? Well, I... I'd rather you wouldn't mention it to Mamma, but it's principally about, well, devils, you know. Oh! There are so many kinds, and they do such strange things. I was really a little alarmed until he told me how to make the horns. Jerry illustrated with grimy thumb and little finger. If you only remember to do that, you're perfectly safe. I see. And he has promised to teach me other things. Well, I don't know, said the doctor anxiously. I... I tell you by and by, said Jerry. He had mounted and was smiling, perhaps grinning, at the distant speck in the road. It's only what you told me to do, he said reassuringly, and I want you to be surprised. Then, according to the habits inculcated in his nursery life, he leaned forward and put up his dirty little face to be kissed before riding on to join his fides arcates. How poor Dolly spurted over that distance! Was it accident or design that made her overturn the wretched express cart in the first leap? The doctor swore it was design. Elm Street people started up from their embroidery and things, and cried out that she was running away. But that was slander. She was only very happy. The doctor was a busy man who slept soundly, but in apple time he kept a shotgun loaded with pepper beside him, left his window open toward the orchard, and turned his Pekin ducks in there, which are as good as geese when it comes to saving Rome. One night he woke to a shrill peal of elfin laughter, after which the hurried thumping of the duck's feet and their alarmed whang was plain, and he tumbled into his trousers, but whether or not there was a disarming quality in that laugh, the shotgun with pepper in it was left behind, and he carried nothing with him but a bull's-eye lantern. As he entered with clumsy stealth under the drooping branches of a winter pear, the ducks flashed by, glimmering, ghostly, heavy-footed, and a distinct sibilant whisper came out of the darkness ahead you've done it what i told you run simultaneously the doctor was thrown to earth and hot jaws were at his throat joriander said a familiar voice something like the society tones of mrs bailey i'm surprised the cover of the lantern flew back and shot a red beam into his favourite fameuse tree where a laughing and astonished face seemed suspended Lower down were the soft but troubled eyes of Dolly, shining like a deer's, while she held her ground with unwilling heroism. Joriander withdrew, embarrassed, avoiding the path of light from the lantern. "'Jerry Bailey,' said the doctor slowly, regaining his feet. "'I'm surprised.' "'Yes, sir. I didn't intend you should know just yet.' "'Where's that—that—' "'You mean Napoleon? He went away.' "'Uh, is it—' That is, is it exactly safe for you to stand on Dolly's back that way to get the apples? It's very convenient, but she did jump a little just now when you came. Shall I never, mused the doctor inwardly, be cured of hyperbole? But who would have supposed the little imp would have taken it literally? I only mentioned the extremest thing I could think of. Oh, well. I don't know, he said that the night air is just the thing for you jerry 
we that is suppose we go into the dining room there's some floating island left from tea which is very digestible and some oatmeal cookies by the way he said casting a lantern ray at the small tree near the orchard entrance did you get any of the anson's watercore no sir just the fameurs i didn't know any of the rest were ripe except the duchess and astrakhan and we have those at home the anson's watercore is new said the doctor where's your bag oh why napoleon has it the dev i mean you don't say well we'll get some of these and go along to the house they're as good as the fameurs i fancy but different you hold one up to the sun and you can see the light through it i'd been intending to send some over to your mother i guess we can find a bag or something at the house the anson's watercore were green and difficult to find dolly smelt out one first and crunched it while the other two were hunting when they had a dozen or so they started again for the house joriander following apologetically once he thrust a wet nose against the doctor's hand don't said that gentleman you make me nervous just think what might have happened if jerry hadn't been there and joriander dropped to the rear nevertheless he was allowed to follow the two into the dining-room at their entry an astonished cat who was watching a mouse hole vanished with a distinct suggestion of brimstone into outer darkness dolly stood outside and sampled a lilac bush peering in through the screen bright-eyed and wistful the doctor looked at jerry attentively by the light of the bull's-eye made him put out his tongue and roll up his sleeves to show how fat he was getting probably for the pleasure of the thing as it was not twelve hours since he had reassured himself as to those matters you are coming on he said dished out a liberal bowl of floating island and found a plate of graham cookies watching their disappearance with professional enthusiasm it does make you rather hungry to be out at night doesn't it observed the marauder politely you haven't tried it before then said the doctor with relief no sir you said you know yes i know was there a grin on the small bronzed face and a leer in the light blue eyes behind the bleached lashes the doctor rubbed his gray hair the wrong way the pale jerry for whom he had prescribed horse dog and playing with french children would have been incapable of understanding much less carrying through so stupendous a joke as this he had thought the mysterious french boy was the prime mover in the affair now he doubted i say jerry it's all right when it's my orchard you know but i wouldn't do it to anybody else's if i were you the blue eyes opened wide oh dear no the tanned cheeks reddened you told me to yes it was rather figurative but that's all right only i don't like your being out in the night air when the last yellow drop of floating island was gone the doctor dressed somewhat more formally and with his lantern in one hand and a bag of anson's watercore in the other saw jerry home watching with professional pride his ascent to his room by way of a porch pillar and a grapevine dolly having first been put to bed and tucked up with an anson's watercore to go to sleep on joriander stretched his great bulk on the veranda under his master's window the doctor patted his head and scratched his pointed ears with great friendliness before he stole away and that's all right said he End of chapter 10